Thanks, Pastor Alex. You might be wondering why I'm dressed like this since Halloween's over. There's three reasons. It's really comfortable. Even though I gained a few pounds in the pandemic, the extra-large scrub suit still fits. And I'm hoping it'll remind you to pray for your health care providers here and for those around the world who are giving the gospel today at the mission hospitals. So thank you for tolerating me wearing this instead of whatever else I could have worn. Kathy and I last night talked to our son and his wife, Ben and Catherine, there in Papua New Guinea. We got to talk to some of the grandkids, and God is blessing them. They're doing good. A lot of, um, a lot of interesting surgery and work. God is blessing the church. And they wanted me to give you their greetings and their thanks for the generous uh, help you gave them in getting back to the field during that COVID pandemic where the travel was so difficult. Today I'd like to share some thoughts with you about the fact that we do not have to fear. Fear not, for the God of the possible is with you. There's some great scriptures that have meant a lot to me. I'll start with Genesis 18.14 where God promises Abraham and Sarah a son and the scripture says, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's what Abraham says. And God says that as well. Jeremiah 32, verses 17 and 27. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And then God answers, behold, I am the Lord the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for God today? He is all-powerful, and he loves us. Jeremiah 33, 3 is another beautiful scripture. It talks about the fact that if we call to him, he will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we do not know. Luke 1, is a favorite Bible verse in New Guinea. You will hear this somewhere in New Guinea each Sunday morning as they quote scripture. Luke 1.37. It says, for God, with God, nothing is impossible. In the trade language of New Guinea Melanesian Pigeon, it sounds like this. Eno got one part of something, God knowing up walk him. And in the local talk place, one of 800 indigenous languages, it's gos yop kapaka kapaka inda inda. With God, nothing is impossible. Let us pray. Jesus, help us to see your power through prayer and to believe that you are the God of possibilities. As we say yes to your call, yes to what you would have us to give, yes to praying, yes to going. In your precious name, amen. Kathy and I have some praises we want to share with you. We were privileged to go back to New Guinea our second time as volunteers since we left there in the months of June and July. It was difficult to get there. It took us over 50 hours. We had to fly through the Middle East. Just a word of caution when you're in the Muslim country of Qatar in the airport of Doha, you might not want to ask about the bacon sandwiches. But we got there with God's help. We traveled with a World Health Organization team. 
and heart to heart, and it was a joy to work with Ben, to work under Ben. So here's how it worked. Each day, he had a list of 10 or 15 people that needed surgery, and we would look at the whiteboard, and he would say to Alex, the surgeon that's in training, not your Alex, but a doctor Alex, he would say, Alex, you need to do these two cases because that's good for your operative experience. And then he would look to me and say, Dad, what do you want to do? And I would try to find the next three or four easy cases that I knew how to do and still could do. And then we would say, okay, I'll help you, Ben, with those two hard cases. The hospital project that was upgrading the hospital with 10 brand new beautiful buildings, a new lab, a new um, pharmacy, a new administration building, new labor ward, a uh, new warehouse, so many new things is completely finished and we were able to attend the dedication. How God supplied that was a beautiful story through Australian aid. It was great to work with Dr. Alex and I would ask your prayers for him that he would be a good resident in surgery and that he would become a fully qualified surgeon. Pray for Alex and his wife. They are two of the New Guinea doctors working on our staff. It was a joy for us as I gave a talk to the doctor staff. One half of the doctor staff were from Papua New Guinea. They have come there to learn. They have come there to be discipled, not just in medicine, but in how to pray for patients and pray for us to continue to be um, training the doctors. For many years, we've trained the nurses in New Guinea, and now it's a joy that we can be on that, that side as well. There's a funding miracle that happened last month. The Nazarene Hospital had received zero funding from the government for a full year. They had spent down all the reserves that they kept for a rainy day. And they told the, the people and the newspapers that they might have to close in about a week if nothing happened. We had been begging the uh, government to step in. We are their provincial hospital. And then they asked other people around the world to pray. And God answered prayer. When that hit the newspapers, the prime minister wrote a check the next week for $2 million dollars to keep them open for the rest of the year. Now you can pray that the funding for this coming year will come through so we don't have to repeat that, but we're praising God for that. And they survived the Delta surge. What happens here happens there, just a little delayed. And when the Delta surge of COVID hit New Guinea, uh, at least a fourth of the nursing staff came down with it even though some of them have been vaccinated, you know, the breakthrough infections. And so they did have to close out patients for a few weeks until enough of the staff got better. But they are working through that, and they have survived. Would you continue to pray for them in that situation as well? There are, ten, there are missional messages in chapter 10 of Matthew that you've been going through that I want to highlight in the last half of that chapter. These are things that as I read that chapter, God just kind of lifted verses out and said, that is a missional message. I have seven of those plus one extra bonus today. And you know what it means when the pastor asks a retired missionary to only speak for 30 minutes? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> 
No, we'll try to stay with that. The first point is that God would have us to be like his son Jesus. Matthew 10.25, the first part of that verse, gives us that message. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. What would Jesus do if he were in Westchester today? If he were a Nazarene sitting in this service, what would Jesus do for faith promise? Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 tells us some of those things. When he was speaking and reading the scripture in Nazareth in the synagogue, he said from, uh, this is from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's what we can be about too, church, if we want to be like Jesus. Luke 6.38 is a beautiful scripture that talks about God's abundant generosity in our lives. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it'll be poured into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And we have found that true in our lives. You cannot outgive God. So in the COVID pandemic, I would challenge you to do what Jesus would do. I think he would love everybody. If they will wear a mask and even if they won't. If they'll get the vaccine or they can't. He would believe in God-given science. And try to cooperate with the medical authorities. He would protect the most weak and vulnerable. He would reach out and care for those in real need. Jesus would serve in love. Jesus would and did surrender his rights. Holiness people, we can do this. We can be Christ-like in this time, like Matthew says. Matthew 10.31 has the next point. It challenges us not to be afraid. Do not be afraid. The scripture says, don't fear, you are worth more than many sparrows. God loves us. God loves you today. He knows you better than anyone else. And he has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. You can trust him. You're worth a lot to Jesus. Do you have some fears you need to release to him today? Fears of the unknown. Fears about your health. Fears about your future, about your family. Give it to God, I would challenge you. Mosin came to our hospital. Now our hospital's right in the middle of many tribes, and tribal fighting is a real part of their lives. They grow up living in fear of evil and ancestral spirits. Mosin had been involved in a tribal uprising, and with a bush knife had chopped off his enemy's leg. A year later, he was at the Road Boong Market and got drunk and started bragging that he had been the one to do that dastardly deed. Now, he was actually in the enemy tribe's territory. And when the tribesmen of the man who had lost the leg heard him bragging, they surrounded him quickly 
and chopped off both of his legs. They brought him to our hospital. He was bleeding to death. The Lord helped us in emergency surgery to stop the bleeding, but we couldn't save his mangled legs. That night after I finished surgery, I looked to my scrub nurse, Margaret. Margaret, who is a mature Christian, who is a prayer warrior, and I said, Margaret, we need to really pray and put out the word that we don't have a tribal fight over this accident, this injury. And Margaret looked at me and said, there will be payback, Dr. Jim. That's where there's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. She said, it won't matter how much we pray, this will result in a tribal fight. That startled me to hear her say that. So I prayed and I sent out an email to everybody on my email prayer list saying, pray strong for this could close the hospital down for our staff and our students lived in the two villages on either side of the hospital in the middle. That night, the tribe of Mosin, the man who had had his legs cut off, went to annihilate the other tribe and do payback. When they got to the other village, not a dog barked, not a village fire was burning, no smoke coming up in the huts, no babies cried, it was complete silence. And they assumed that their enemy that they came to pay back to had heard they were coming and run away to the bush, deep in the jungle. But in fact, what had happened is people had read an email and hit their knees and prayed and God had answered prayer and put a holy hush on that village so not anybody was injured. God's power was victorious over sin and Satan and sickness and over fear. And the tribal fight that Margaret said would happen never did. Praise be to the Lord Jesus. Do not be afraid. Another point in Matthew is Matthew 10.37 where Jesus reminds us to love Jesus most of all. To love God most of all. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It doesn't mean we don't love our parents. It means we love Jesus supremely and serve him first. When Kathy and I first went to Papua New Guinea, it was 1985. There was one large district in the Church of the Nazarene, less than 100 churches. When we went back this June, there were 14 districts, over 700 Nazarene churches, and they want to start eight more districts in the coming two years. They're seeking to double their membership from 50,000 to 100,000 Nazarenes, and they want to double their world evangelism's offerings in the next two years so other people around the world can hear the gospel. They are beginning to hear the call to go themselves as missionaries. And they have said to us, for many years we were receivers. Now we want to be the givers and the goers. Peter and Jenny Isaac were at the Nazarene Bible College. He was the chaplain there. She was the nurse. God called them to become missionaries outside of their country. To love Jesus more than family to be willing to leave their family and friends and their village and tribe. They were sent by the New Guinea church, not by you, by the New Guinea 
Nazarene Church to the country of Vanuatu to help start and plant the Church of the Nazarene there. They have about 10 churches now, and he's serving as the district superintendent, and she and the children are supporting as well. She's the Bible college director there. The New Guinea church is saying yes to God's call to live, to pray, to give, and to go missionally. They are loving Jesus most of all. The fourth point is in Matthew 10, 38, where Jesus talks about taking up our cross. He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I would ask you today, do you have a cross to carry for Jesus? Or must Jesus bear the cross alone? Do you have a calling on your life? I don't mean are you called to stand up here and preach every Sunday or maybe not a call even to go overseas, but I believe God has a calling for each one of us, where he has placed us, what he wants us to do with our story for him. Masa heard God's call. Masa was brought to the hospital as an 11-year-old boy. He had been called in the middle of two tribes that were fighting, and a knife had gone into his back. He had no blood pressure in the emergency room. We realized he was bleeding severely internally and put him on a cart and ran him back to the operating room. When we got to the operating room, he actually did not even need an anesthetic because he was comatose. We operated on him as quickly as we could get his abdomen prepped and draped. And when I got in there, I actually could not find the bleeding. There was so much blood and clot. And we did something that we occasionally do there, which is to stop and have a quick word of prayer. Not a long prayer meeting. A quick one in the prayer said, Jesus, this boy is dying. We need your help. Would you step in here and show us what to do? And immediately after that prayer, we found the bleeder coming from his right kidney. His artery and vein had been transected, so we had to remove that organ. But God helped us to get him off the table. That was the first miracle alive. For three days, he was in a coma. And we feared he had, had brain damage from the low blood pressure. So we prayed again and said, Lord, would you help him to regain his consciousness and have good mental faculties? And he woke up. And was in his right mind. We shared Jesus with him. When he went back to his village. He accepted Christ as his Savior and Lord. And then he started to school. When he was 12 years of age. And he got through elementary. And then he joined a bivocational. Bible college training. He became a youth leader. A revival leader. And then later. God called him to be a Nazarene pastor. And he went through extension Bible college. And now serves as a pastor in a remote area and a circuit leader for the Church of the Nazarene. If you go as far as the plane will take you today, you'd land in New Guinea. And if you go as far as the roads would take you, you would come to his village. And Masa would be preaching the gospel. Because years ago, you sent a couple to New Guinea from your district. And you prayed. And you gave. And Masa heard God's call and answered and said yes to the call of carrying the, his cross for Jesus. Two years ago, he was ordained as an elder. And he thought maybe there had been some mistake because his name wasn't on the list. 
but the district superintendent had written, written down his name as Moses instead of Masa. So they called him forward to be ordained. And when the general superintendent put his hands on his head, he said, God gave me a new name. I will be Moses, and I will lead my people to his promised land. We can lose our life for Christ. Matthew 10, 39 talks about giving our lives for the Lord. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now I told you about my scrub nurse Margaret that talked about the tribal fight. Margaret worked with me for 33 years and now she's Ben's scrub nurse as well. Margaret came to the hospital as an 8th grade uh, student. She became a nurse aide through training there at the Nazarene Hospital. And when she was newly graduated, they said, would you like to train to be an operating room nurse? And she said, sure I would. Now they didn't have a surgeon. And they didn't know one was coming yet. But God knew. And so Margaret was trained by a missionary nurse. And when I got there, she was ready to roll. God did the same thing for a nurse anesthetist. They had never had a, a full-time surgeon there, but God told one of the missionaries on a furlough, you stay an extra year in America and do extra training to be a nurse anesthetist. And so she was ready as well. Praise God that he knows our story and how he wants to use us. Margaret is our missionary president for the district. She carries a burden for God's people. She prays with the patients as they're waiting outside in the recovery and pre-op area. She prays with them, finds out what led to their injury or their illness. In the middle of surgery, when things get anxious and difficult, sometimes Margaret will say to me, Dr. Jim, I think we need to pray. And we will stop and have one of those short prayers. Margaret fasts throughout the day on Wednesday as part of her praying. She's served there for 40 years now. She's one of our special friends. When we were back there in New Guinea in June and July, several times in the late night, I would get a call from the operating room where one of our younger doctors or one of our general doctors would be doing a case like a C-section and run into trouble and sometimes at the end of the voice would be the circulator saying, Margaret says to tell you, Dr. Jim, that you're needed in the operating room. Come right away. And I don't ask any more questions because I know Margaret knows when Ben or I are needed to help out. And so we just run down and help. I ask you today, Margaret didn't have a great education. Eighth grade. And she has worked at a level far beyond many people that get a full university training because she gave herself completely to God to be used. How would God use your talents today? How would he use your training and experience, your time for the kingdom? There's a need for next year for school teachers there on the missionary station with the missionary kids. If you know somebody, talk to Kathy and she'll put you in touch. But let's lose our life wherever God calls us so we can find it. Matthew 10, 42 talks about giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. 
Whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Giving the cup in Jesus' name was Timothy's gift. Timothy was the cook at the Nazarene Hospital for 45 years. Every day he would gather the cow-cow, the sweet potatoes, and cook them and then fill up his wheelbarrow, run it between the bed rows, and hand out the sweet potatoes. Now, it wasn't a great meal, but it was something. And Timothy did it with the love of Jesus, with a smile on his face and a beautiful testimony in his heart for the Lord. When the hospital celebrated our 50th anniversary, Timothy was giving the longest serving employee award for 45 years of faithful service. And what he said when he received his plaque shocked me because he said, now that I'm retiring, I can really serve God and the church. And I thought, what have you been doing this whole time? You've been serving faithfully. How could you do anything more? But he is still giving for the Lord. His son is one of our pastors. His daughter is one of our nurses. What can you do in this place, in this time, and around the world to give a cup of water in Jesus' name. To your grandchildren, to the children in this church and community, to the older folk, to the needy folk, to the refugees, ask God where he would want to use you. The seventh point is from Matthew 10.8, and we're going backwards in the chapter to a scripture I think Pastor Alex covered the first week. We can freely give. It says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And freely we have received here in America. Our security is not in the stock market or who's in the White House. It's who's on the throne of heaven. And that is Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 is our life verse. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. We will not fear what can man do to us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has left, never left us or forsaken us. He has been true to his promises his provision, including retirement, has been abundant, and he never changes. My challenge today for you is to live in fearless, grateful contentment and absolute trust in Jesus. How would he have you to give today? Your time in prayer, your talents in service, your treasures in giving. Now this is a bonus point number eight, and I'll, be, I'll close with this. I think God is calling us to run to the fire today. We run away from danger usually, but with courage God gives us and not fearing and trusting his great power of the possibility, we can run to the fire. Hebrews 13, 13 says we can go to Christ outside the camp bearing his reproach. I think that means outside of Christian America. Charity was a volunteer school teacher at the Nazarene Hospital for two years. She gave herself to our children. She was a beautiful teacher. She went home to Texas and there her church 
had started to minister to Myanmar refugees. She got involved in that ministry and then God said, I want you to go to Myanmar full time and serve me there. Charity single. She raised her own support. Now, if you know anything about Myanmar, which used to be Burma, they've undergone a coup last year. It's not a safe place for anybody, including Myanmarese, but especially outsiders and Christians. Also, they've had a tremendous COVID surge there. But Charity, instead of running away from the fire, has run to the fire. She bought a ticket and went to as close as she could get. She couldn't get a visa to get in Myanmar, but she could get in Thailand, which has a common border with Myanmar and she's right on the border as refugees are coming out she is sharing with them the message of Christ she has moved from comfort to need she has joined Jesus in his sufferings she has left the security of the known and for Jesus to redeem people from every tongue and tribe and territory we too must go where there is persecution and perishing Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. We know not when we go or where we go from this familiar scene. But Christ is here and Christ is over there. And he's all the way between. And though we go from all we know to some dim vast unknown. Though late we stay or soon we go. We shall not go alone. The God of the possible goes with you today in what he calls you to do. May he bless you.